The podcast Under the Stairs will feature movie spoilers and language which most listeners will find offensive. to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. This is a very special bonus episode uh, which features an interview that I conducted recently with Adele Hartley who is the founder, curator and director of the Dead by Dawn Horror Film Festival. The festival has been running in the Filmhouse Cinema in Edinburgh since 1993 and through the conversation I had with Adele I think we may have established that it is the longest running genre specific, in this case horror, film festival in the whole of the UK. Um, What the interview will feature is a very very frank conversation which we had discussing horror in general, um, how films are selected for the film festival, um, we touch upon such things as if you are a filmmaker, how you go about getting your film out into the film circuit, for festivals anyway, so if you are a budding filmmaker or you have aspirations, Adele gives some useful tips on how you might be able to do that, and we just generally have a, a really good conversation. The interview runs roughly an hour in length, and I've not edited anything out of it because I actually really enjoyed just the way the interview was flown. Um, Adele speaks candidly and at length about particular things that she's quite passionate about and she knows her horror people. I'm telling you right now, she is clued up, which you would expect from someone that runs a a horror film festival. Um, It was a bloody great conversation and I've been looking forward to, since recording it anyway, looking forward to putting it up on the site. The Dead by Dawn Horror Film Festival has now finally launched its full list of films which will be shown at the festival Um, and the next one takes place at the end of the month, that's the end of April. Uh, It's a four day film festival and basically there's a combination of different things that happens during the film festival. Uh, you get a mixture of old and new horror films, um, independents, and obviously, sh- well, not I was going to say studio horror films, but to an extent, larger budget horror films. Um, they also play a lot of horror shorts. Adele is a, a champion of the, the, the short film side of things when it comes to, to horror. She really enjoys them. And they do an event called uh, Spawn of Dawn which is an event that I've actually been to before um, several times and it's an event that I'm quite passionate about because um, it's one of these events where basically Adele picks the best five features and best ten shorts, puts them on the Saturday night and that runs from about the midnight mark uh, right through to about uh, midday but it's usually finished before then. So like I say, the the 21st edition of that will um, take place on April 24th to April 27th, and there is a shitload of things, and the main feature this year is a new film by Takashi Miki, which just blows my mind. So, uh, just sit back, chill out, and enjoy this interview, and I will speak to you to close up the show once it's finished. So, Coming up next, after this very short break, 
an interview with Adele Hartley from Dead by Dawn Film Festival. Do you like movie reviews that are insightful, thought-provoking, and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities? Then you've got the wrong show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. There'll be more blood, expletives, and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. Visit www.krugernation.com. Hi there, and I am joined by the director of Dead by Dawn, Adele Hartley. How are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Um, So... Dead by Dawn. Yep. Yep. Uh, Scotland's, I, I, I think it's safe to say, is Scotland's biggest. Uh, biggest, best, oldest. Oldest, right, yeah. as well. Um, so, first question I've got to ask you. Um, being in a position that you are in to see so many films yeah. um, covering pretty much the entire genre, <laughs> yeah. good and bad, uh-huh. um, do you have a favourite subgenre within horror or are you just a lover of the genre? Um, no, I don't really have a favourite subgenre because. You see such a variety of films, and actually, it kind of the, the reverse happens. You end up with subgenres that you can't bear to watch anymore mm-hmm. because nobody's breathing fresh life into them. And then, just when you get to the point where you think, as long as I live, I never actually have to see another one of these, and then somebody comes along and does something amazing with it, mm-hmm. and suddenly you kind of get your benevolence back about that particular subgenre and you, you get reinvigorated. Yeah. Um, there are definitely setups and structures and storylines that. Uh, I I really am kind of bored with, um, but the whole point about watching all these films is you're looking for the one percent. Yeah, you know, if somebody sends you a hundred films about five idiot teenagers in an SUV going to a cabin on the anniversary of the massacre to get drunk, and you know what order they're going to get killed in, and at some point you think, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Do something, you yeah. know, and then suddenly you watch 99 of those, and they can be perfectly competent, they can be perfectly entertaining, mm-hmm. but then somebody will do something interesting and different, and suddenly it, it, it's like there's a whole new lease of life in that subgenre. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're, you're kind of always looking for that potential. I mean, the whole point of we're a discovery festival, so the whole point, without wishing to hammer home the bleeding obvious, is that we're always looking for the people who are who are coming at things with a different perspective and mm-hmm. who take a, a very familiar subgenre and do something interesting with it. I mean, yeah. we were just talking um, about the battery and the battery rocks. And the battery is, it's technically a zombie film because it's kind of got zombies in it, but yeah. it's not really a zombie film. Um, and I love that because the battery, laugh out loud funny, yeah. um, but properly horrible and claustrophobic in the, where it has to be. And so you have something which is kind of not totally settled in one subgenre because somebody's brought something new to it. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a prime example of the kind of film you're looking for. You're looking for a subgenre that's been, I don't know, you know, kind of uh, dressed up and turned around and, yeah. and, you know, just suddenly seems not so familiar anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So now the short answer is I don't have a favourite. Um, I. I mean, my own personal taste in films, I mean, the stuff that I could watch over and over again, but it's different when you're playing, when programming for a paying audience. Yeah. Because it's not just about what you want to watch, because obviously that's, that's a big ask. Yeah. Um, so, uh, particularly with the festival, you have to be very careful with programming that you're not, you couldn't have, well, 
I was going to say you couldn't have four days of zombie films. There are some people who would love four days straight of zombie films. Um, but ultimately, with subgenre, you're looking to include as many as possible in the festival so that you've got a breadth of storytelling, a breadth, you know, breadth of ideas going on. Um, so I, it's a favourite doesn't really work because what you're looking for is the most interesting stories. Yeah. And when you find those, it's only when you take a step back from that that you can look at it and go, okay, that's a kind of vampiric thing, that's a kind of zombie thing. But when the stories are interesting, you kind of you, you forget which subgenre you're watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when the story is good enough, it's only afterwards that you kind of look at it and go, "Oh, this is where this is where you would file this." Yeah. Um. So you, I don't tend to to kind of look for the subgenre first. I'm looking mm-hmm. for the story first, yeah. always. Ah, that's great. That's great. Um. So I mean, you kind of touched on the, my next question. Um. You, I'm assuming, is there a panel or is it yourself that selects all the films for the festival? If so, how do you select those films? I know you were saying that you would look for something a bit different, the the 1%. Mm. Um, But, I mean, are you specifically aware of that I need to cover found footage film because people watch found footage and I need to cover, you know, are you aware that you need to cover the, the full scope for the audience, or is it just a case of you wanting to pick things that you think you know people should be seeing these films? I, I never I, need is not a word that comes into it. I don't ever feel I need to do anything. Mm-hmm. I watch as much as I physically can, and what I'm looking for are the best stories, the most engaging films. Mm-hmm. Um, if it turns out that I get sent th- for ease of argument, if I get sent three amazing zombie films in a year, yeah. and I would love to program them all, but because we're only a four-day festival, um, you have to kind of choose the one that's yeah. going to sort of represent the genre because it's you've got a very you've got a diverse audience with diverse tastes, and ultimately you can't kind of go in one direction too far. Mm-hmm. So when I'm programming, uh, and then well, when I and the programmers are programming, um, there's you watch everything, you make your shortlist, and then you kind of go through your shortlist and you start looking at, at films that are going to, you know, that are going to complement each other, that are going to have enough space around them in the programme, that are going to suit the time of day or the mood. Mm-hmm. And so from your shortlist, you start kind of cherry-picking what's going to make the best programme. Yeah. Um, and it, it, we don't programme by theme, we don't programme by, uh, by geography, we don't programme by the gender of the director. I mean, there's all kinds of festivals that do... Yeah, already. But, but that's their remit. Excuse me. Um, but ultimately, I, I want four days full of brilliant stories and amazing experiences. Mm-hmm. So once we get the shortlist, that's when we look at the stuff and we think, okay, fine, this is... And it's actually very rare for us to end up with thema- very thematically similar films. Yeah. Usually once you've got your shortlist, it's diverse enough, pretty much. So you've actually got quite a diverse base to pick from. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's uh, the, the films kind of present themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you shortlist a hundred films, then you're gonna you obviously want to show all of those, but can't. Yeah. Um, so you kind of go back to um, to the ones that won't get out of your head. Really, yeah. you go to the ones that you're still thinking about three weeks later, and you think, mm-hmm. okay, uh, you know, when you actually see it at the festival, you don't know that this thing is still going to be creeping you out in a month. Yeah. <laughs> but I do. Mm-hmm. So this, you know, this is why this one is here. Um, and so we're always, and like I say, because we're always looking for potential, you're looking at films. Um, I've encountered some fans over the years who wouldn't go and see a film unless they know the director or they know everybody who's in it. All right. And you think, but this is a Discovery Festival. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's not what we do. Mm-hmm. We get, you know, 
in five years' time, everybody will have heard of this person, mm-hmm. but at the moment, you just have to kind of trust me and come and see what this person's up to. Mm-hmm. And it's about finding those new voices. Um, but the only criteria for us is story. Yeah. It has to be the kind of thing that makes you forget you're in a cinema. It has to be the thing that kind of grabs you by the neck and won't let you go for yeah. an hour and a half, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Dead by Dawn, you were saying at the start there, it's, it's Scotland's oldest. Is it Scotland's oldest film festival or is it just Scotland's oldest genre? No, no, I think, I think we're the longest running festival in the UK. Right. At the well, moment, anyway. That's fantastic. Um, I don't know, somebody might prove me wrong. <laughs> that might be one of those facts I've dreamt, but I'm pretty sure it's true. Um, this is the festival's 21st year. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, we're not, we're not the oldest festival in Scotland. I think Edinburgh International is the oldest festival yeah. in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as genre festivals go, yeah, yeah. We're, we've kind of been here the longest. And how did you become involved with this I mean well I didn't become involved with it I set yeah, it up yeah so I, I mean was it was it a case of you you were you saw a gap of of well let's put it this way um, were you were you of the opinion at the time that there's a whole host of films out there which are not really likely to make over here um, for people to see in a cinematic experience um, and thus set up the festival or is it a case of it was something that you were passionate about from regardless if it was to do with films being shown or whatnot, mm. was you just wanted to do a film festival and it was fortunate that you got that. How, how did that kind of start? How it was it... kind of really organic. I used to go to other festivals mm-hmm. and I loved it. There was nothing more fun when I was... 19 and had the stamina to stay awake for 12 hours yeah. um, uh, uh, overnight. I mean, I can manage it during the day. <laughs> but I really missed going to... F- and, you know, when, when the festivals that I was going to weren't around anymore, I really missed it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I'll do that. That's, that's a fun thing to do. And it, it's an odd job to decide to do because you kind of have to do all your learning in public. And I, yeah. I had to learn my programming skills in public. And... You, that means you kind of you think right. I'm sure everybody will want to see this, and you put it on, and you know it's possible to fail quite badly at that. Yeah. Um, and I was really lucky. I you know there was lots of people around who wanted to come and watch horror movies, and we definitely started off with more classics. Mm-hmm. But there was always new films in there. And then as you become a programmer, or as you develop as a programmer, um, the more aware I became of kind of independent cinema and and the sort of the strength of of those new voices coming through. And it, it just became a... It, I was always passionate about film mm-hmm. and about horror. But like everybody, I kind of started with the classics. And yeah. then uh, that's lovely. I mean, you could spend your whole life watching the classics. There's hundreds of them, thousands of them. Yeah. But I became really interested in the people who were who were kind of coming along and taking that, that same viewing experience but turning it into something new. Mm-hmm. And from that kind of developed my abiding passion in, in short film as well. Yeah. Um, so it kind of I set up the festival and then I then I discovered what I was really into and then I got more into it. So yeah. once the festival existed, um, it's kind of like having the biggest TV in the world to play with. You know, yeah. it's just great. It's like, I mean, I grew up because I'm so old. I kind of grew up when we sort of went around and went to video nights at people's houses mm-hmm. and sat there with a bo- you know a, a small mountain of enormous VHS boxes and worked our way through stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I wanted for Dead by Dawn. I wanted to watch horror films with horror fans, and I wanted to do it with cold beer, yeah. and and you know, and ultimately, what else could you possibly want from a festival, really? Um, so having discovered the kind of films, the, the the more other festivals I went to, the more markets I went to, the more films were sent to me. I started to get a real sense of of the kind of stories that I like, the kind of films that I wanted to profile, and 
once you've actually got the festival there, you're in a position to, to put those films in front of people and to say, I think this is great. Mm -hmm. I think this guy has a ton of potential. Um, and ultimately, you're never going to please your, your whole audience. That's not possible, pretty mm -hmm. much. But the whole point about something like a Discovery Festival is even if... I know I've done my job right. If somebody comes to me and says, I'm not sure I really like that film, but I'm glad I got the chance to see it. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's a win-win for me because the worst programming makes the audience feel like you've stolen time from their lives. Yeah. And we've all sat through movies oh, yeah. and been very angry at the end because that's two hours of our life we're not getting back. Yeah. Um, not naming any names whatsoever, <laughs> but there's been a lot of those films. So what you want with a festival is to say to somebody, you know, you're interested in seeing it. Mm -hmm. I think it's I think it's worth seeing. And some people will love it, some people really won't, some people will want to make their mind up a little bit later. Um but having having set the festival up, I've sort of I, I got much more into into independent film and into short film and mm -hmm. realised that, you know, once you've got the festival there, yeah. you can start and, and it, actually if you sort of track the evolution of the programming you can kind of see how that happened. Mm -hmm. And around the time that Ringu was released, um we had a festival which included St. John's Wort, Pyrokinesis, Uzumaki, um, was it A Living Hell that year as well, or was it the year after? Because I'd suddenly been introduced to all kinds of interesting um, Southeast Asian filmmakers. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely blew me away. Mm. And so it was like, I could not wait. I mean, that's the great thrill. There's some films you see and you go, not only do I love this, yeah. but I'm about to put this up on an enormous screen <laughs> for several hundred people to love as well. Mm. And it's just the most exciting thing. Mm -hmm. And it's still, even after 21 years, that's still my programming impulse. When I watch a film that I know is going to play well at the festival, I, I, I skip here. Yeah. I can't wait <laughs> to, to get, you know, to, to get that to projection, to get it on the screen. And it's, um, yeah, it, it, still, it, still feels, it still feels like a privilege. There's, it's nice to watch great films. I mean, mm -hmm. that's obviously what all film fans want to do. But to then be in that facilitating position to take a film that you love yeah. and to introduce it to lots of other people. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's the whole point of yeah. running a festival. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's the great joy of it. And, uh, yeah, I can't imagine that ever getting old, frankly. Yeah, no. Um, uh, the next question, um, and we've kind of touched on this before we were recording and kind of almost at the start there as well. Um, I mean, you, you, you're getting... The opportunity to play films, like you were saying, for for directors that are fairly unknown mm -hmm. at the time that the films are coming. Have you seen a film here and said, you know, that film's going to be huge? You know, see when this film gets out, you know, if it goes on DVD or Blu-ray or VOD or whatever. Now, this film's going to be huge, um, and that film has went the way you thought. And can you think of maybe an example where you were convinced something was going to be? It was it was going to be astronomical. It was going to hit, it was going to shoot for the stars, and it never really achieved what you thought it was going to achieve. Uh, no, because that's not that's really not part of my involvement with mm -hmm. the film. Uh, not with specific films, certainly with directors. Yes, yeah. there are directors uh, in the good way, not in the failing way. There are directors that I've looked at and gone, those guys have a future. We were just talking about Jim Mickle. Yeah. From the time I saw Mulberry Street, I knew that Jim was just a talented guy who was going to do great things, and, and that's been true. When we programmed Undead years ago, the mm -hmm. Spearig brothers were obviously destined for bigger and better things, and Daybreakers kind of came around and yeah. proved that. Um, we screened the UK premiere of Dog Soldiers, and then suddenly this guy called Neil Marshall that nobody had heard of. Huge. 
you know becomes a stratospheric you know director and that's that's fabulous and so there's there's guys you look at and you go oh, yeah yeah, this, this, yeah something good is gonna happen here and it's because they they, they kind of although I hate this phrase they kind of hit the ground running they, yeah they sort of come out of the, you know to us they come out of nowhere because they've not been on our radar it doesn't yes. mean they've been invisible um, and then suddenly and they produce this amazing beautiful fabulous film mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes it's it's heartbreaking when someone does that. And the opportunities don't come around to follow it up, and that's 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 a, a, obviously an industry issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's very often not for the lack of trying on on the director's yeah. part. Um, so there are there are definitely directors that we've and uh, you, you can't ask me to name them off the top of my head because <laughs> my memory's not up to it. But there's definitely directors that we've that we've screened that I've I'm kind of itching to see what they do next mm-hmm. and and what comes around for them because I I can see just. A huge amount of talent, and it's always really exciting to me when, um, when I hear they're they're working on something new, because then mm-hmm. I just have to sit there and and, and fidget <laughs> and, until they just hurry up and film it, and hurry up and finish post, and hurry up and let me see it. Um, but I'm genuinely really excited. I mean, the same goes with with directors of short films. But mm-hmm. you know, when when you've seen how talented somebody is, when you see their name come up on a, on a new film, it's just mm-hmm. it's a reason to celebrate. Yeah. So yeah, it, t- it tends not to happen with specific titles. Um, the whole point of a festival is to generate you know, enough buzz and enough interest so that when that film does come out on DVD or when yeah. it does get distribution, that fans of the film um, will, will follow it and people yeah. who are, who've heard about it will follow it. Um, but usually by that point, I'm read, already looking at what's going to be the next beautiful thing to play for people yeah. next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, there's definitely there's, there's directors who I'm thrilled to see... Um, there's a guy, there's a guy called Peter Cornwell who made a short film called Ward Thirteen, which is absolutely mm-hmm. beautiful. It's um, a plasticine kind of animation, gorgeous, gorgeous oh, thing. Yeah, yeah. It's got sort of um, Ben Hur sequence in a hospital, uh, little two-headed plasticine dogs. It's very beautiful. Um, but he he kind of he decided that if that was going to be his calling card film, mm-hmm. and he invested everything in it. I mean, he paid, he found the money to have an orchestral score for this short film. Right. And on, I think it got down to it didn't make the last five up for the best short Oscar, mm-hmm. but it made the final ten and then didn't make the final five. But because of that, he got a features deal in the states. And yeah. now I'm going to forget which film it is that Peter made. Sorry, Peter. Um, it might it's either an American haunting or a haunting in Connecticut. Oh right. Um, yeah. God, my memory's dreadful. Um, but he, you know, he's making beautiful films and, and th- this film really was his calling card and, and opened up this huge opportunity for mm-hmm. him um, and that's a thrill like to see somebody that you've, you've noticed and to see, yeah, yeah. to see somebody that who's, you've been this tiny 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 part of their career like just an opportunity to share their film and to, to bring their name to a room full of fans mm-hmm. who are going to then kind of you know make that little mark in your brain that says, you know, next time this guy comes up, I'm going to go see what he's done. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that, that's where the focus is, really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've also kind of touched on as well the fact that just horror fans in general, I mean, there's a, there's something about horror fans where there's a real kind of level of community and it's, it's almost like a cathartic experience sitting through a really scary film with a group of people knowing that everyone is scared shitless um, but or I mean when was the last truly scary from start to finish film that you watched I would say Wreck Wreck really 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 scared me and I'm not I'm not found footage doesn't usually do anything for me yeah no me neither but the, f- the fact that film 
it was a lot of fun, but I and like see from the sequence where the guy fell from the the fireman fell and splatted. From there onwards, I was like, I, my hands were sweating. Um, wow. Okay. And I, I mean, like I say, generally zombie films don't really do that much for me. Found footage films don't do that much for me. But for whatever reason, that film just hit the mark for me, <laughs> um, and I, I loved that film. Um, another one which I actually saw here. Um, at a spawn of dawn, I think it was the first one I went to. It was a film called Home Movie, which I love. Home Movie. See the creeping dread in that film all uh-huh. the way through it, and I, I was the most I, I, in recent memory anyway. It's the most unsettled I felt watching a it's film. It's one of those films I would love to show every year because there'll always be people that haven't seen it. And the thing I love about that, the two kids in it are yeah. brother and sister in real life. So yeah. can you imagine if you're their real parents? <laughs> And you've just watched the film, then you've got to take those kids home. Yeah. Like, just, I mean, I think the kids are amazing. Adrian Pastor is fabulous in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a modern cine film, and uh, Andrew Vandenhout at Modern Cine is just a great guy. He, yeah. he, he, the films that they're producing mm-hmm. are just fabulous. Um, and, but Home Movie rocks. Home Movie is because you actually don't know that where it's going to go. I did not know at all. kids are properly evil. Yeah. They're it's, so cool. It's something about, it, like, obviously, it's something about kids in general. And I'm, I'm going to be a father soon. I mean, oh, have <laughs> fun with that. Yeah, home Movie's not going to get watched again. No, uh, <laughs> Ever. But yeah, that film just, and that was another one that I had not a clue about at all. And then when I heard it was found footage, I was like, oh, not found footage. And I sat and I watched it and thoroughly entertained right to the end. And it was one of those things when that film finished, silence. <laughs> well, Home Movie's not really found footage. It has very small elements in mm. it where they film the kids, but yeah. there's nothing. It's I've never th- I've actually never connected found footage with it at all. Yeah, That's yeah. not what it. It's not what it is. There is mm. some there is some visual stuff in it which is which is a shot with a home it. camera. Yeah. But it's definitely not that. It's definitely not found footage. Mm. Um, but it is one of the best films. It just, just yes. Yeah. I'd, like I say, you could have heard a pin drop when oh, I finished, and yeah. I was just like, you know, uh, and that had followed a, a memory. You, you want to go phone the babysitter, make sure she's <laughs> okay. <laughs> it memory serves, and I, I might be wrong on this one. That might have been the same. It was a spawned on event that I saw. At, was that that could possibly be the same one that had Mama the shot? Yeah, I think, and that scared the shit out of me as well because mm-hmm. you, well, you know, we're going to be talking about it shortly anyway. The time that that came on in the morning, uh-huh. and you're feeling a little bit was said and not quite there, and then. Well, that's why it's on at that time. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like to reserve the really short, freaky films for when people are very sleep deprived because it, it exacerbates the effect it has. There's a there's a short film I've got programmed this year, which is on, uh, which I'm not going to tell you about. Mm-hmm. Um, or not going to give you the title just yet because we're announcing next week. But it's going to go on before the closing film when everybody's had four days of hang, you know, too much beer, hangovers. Yeah. Uh, sleep deprivation, freaky films, and this three-minute short is gonna absolutely destroy people. Because <laughs> uh, it, it's been in my head. I watched it four days ago, mm-hmm. and I was really unhappy about being in the dark when I'd watched it. Uh, so I cannot wait. I yeah. absolutely cannot wait because it's bad enough on my computer. Yeah. But seeing it on the big screen is gonna snap some people in half. I just can't wait. <laughs> So we're, we've kind of touched on Spawned on there. Uh-huh. Um, what was the, what was the thought process behind that? Because we I mean, you basically for those who don't know, Spawn of Dawn is a collection you, you handpick five. It's, it's kind of our evil mini me, is yeah. what it is. Um, because obviously, Dead by Dawn is quite an intensive experience. It's four days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a very large percentage of our audience comes into Edinburgh from out of town. Yeah. So we're very conscious of the fact that people are they're paying for hotels, 
they're taking time off work, um, they're paying for cat sitters, babysitters, you know, the whole bit. It's yeah. quite it's quite a big investment. And there's uh, and obviously uh, because of our charming government, there's not quite as much disposable income or yeah. say employment around as there should be. Um, so we decided that there's lots and lots of horror fans who fundamentally either don't have the money or the time or this necessarily the stamina because we're all getting on a little bit um but uh, like to commit to the whole festival mm-hmm. but there's no reason why those people should miss out on on these beautiful films so we wanted to make sure that people who kind of just wanted to dip in a little bit or couldn't necessarily you know abandon their families for the whole time yeah. or couldn't take the time off work spawn of dawn is there to make sure that people get a taste of the festival so it screens five features and anything between seven and ten shorts, um, all picked from the main festival. We'd like to show ten shorts, but sometimes you get a year when all the shorts are 20 minutes long. Yeah. So sometimes you have to show very slightly, but we say up to ten shorts, but there's never fewer than seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so for 25 quid, it's a bargain, oh, basically. Definitely, yeah. uh, so we do that. It runs from midnight on the Saturday night and it finishes between 10 and 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Uh, everything quits around six o'clock in the morning. Time for breakfast, coffee, shot of bacon, shot of caffeine. <laughs> get back in there for another four hours, um, and it's just it, it's it's uh, it's kind of what we a lot of the horror fans that I know. It's kind of what we all grew up doing. We all went to we all went to late night shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sometimes if you were overnight in a city, it was cheaper than paying for a hotel. You just. <laughs> I used to, when I was a teenager, I used to go to the Scala in London, the much lamented and much missed Scala. Um, and rather than pay for a hostel in London, I would just buy a ticket for whatever the late night double was. <laughs> and I'd be, you know, I'd be done about five o'clock in the morning and go for coffee and get the bus back to Glasgow. It was great. Um, so, I mean, that's, uh, I'm not advocating film festivals as an alternative to accommodation, but um, <laughs> well, that we're not providing an accommodation service. That's definitely not what we are. But the point is that there's some. Not everybody can afford either the money or the time mm-hmm. or the logistics of a full film festival. Yeah. But I don't want to. I want to make sure that those films are put in front of as many fans as possible yeah. and spawns a way to do that. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's. Uh, we're trying to be sympathetic to the fact that there's um, there's just not a huge amount of money knocking about. Yeah. But I don't see why just because people are you know skin are not sure if their their job is secure why they should mm. miss out on having having a good time so uh, Spawn is, is um, uh, yeah and like I say like we are just talking about it's kind of fun when you get to the 5 6 o'clock in the morning but, and you know yeah. that whatever you put in front of the audience at that point yep. is going <laughs> to mess with them we had years and years and years ago one of my favourite favourite stories is we had uh, we showed um, we showed Brain Dead uh, not Brain Dead um, Meet the Feebles yeah yeah so Meet the Feebles was on about half past 5 in the morning and it was up in Cinema 1 and when we still did an all nighter in Cinema 1 and uh, some guy got very, very, very drunk. So after about three o'clock when the bar closed, it got warmer and warmer up there and he eventually fell asleep. And he woke up at the sequence in Meet the Feebles where all the frogs are having their flashback to Vietnam. <laughs> and I've never heard a scream like that come out of somebody because <laughs> he'd got really drunk and he just completely passed out. And he woke up and the screen, his whole world was, you know, 30 foot high screaming frogs and he just lost it completely. I, I, I don't think I've ever laughed harder at anything. It's, just, it's like, okay, this film is freaky enough as it is, but I love that you had no idea where you were. And you just, can you imagine just waking up, you open your eyes and that's, that's, yeah. what, that's what's coming at you. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you're very aware when you're programming a late night mm-hmm. or an all night session. 
you're, you're, I mean, what you're ultimately trying to do is to get people to the end of it, uh, yeah. you know, awake and engaged. So you have to monitor the pacing quite carefully, and you kind of have to structure it in such a way that. Uh, there, there comes a point when we don't show subtitled movies after a certain time at night because yes. it's, it's hard to concentrate mm-hmm. uh, and you don't want people to miss out So, uh, and you're looking at the pacing of individual films and, and, and the shorts are kind of there as little shots in the arm to kind of you know reinvigorate the audience and get everybody back into something um, so yeah, you, you, you kind of your programming is quite um, it's quite carefully mapped when yeah. you're doing an all-nighter because you want people to get their money's worth and obviously be awake but yeah. With the best will in the world, I think that people kind of get to about five, six o'clock in the morning, oh, yeah. <coughs> and it, it's it's hard. Um, but you know, we're we're diehard horror fans, and that's well, what that's we do. It, yeah, you know, there's yeah. another film to be watched. Who cares if it's mm-hmm. five o'clock in the morning? Put it on. Yeah. Sleep later. Yeah, sleep later. <laughs> sleep when you're dead. Thank you, Mister Zimon. <laughs> um, so I know that we're just like you were saying. You're still in the process of a Nimson films that yeah. are coming on to the festival are there any that you can tell us or? the couple that we've announced uh, well there's two wonderful things happening first of all uh, the first day of the festival this year falls on the centenary of the birth of William Castle yeah. which is a thing that we really want to celebrate we're big fans of William Castle at this festival so we are going to uh, we're going to make sure that that, that, that that anniversary is marked in style yeah. here um, and also, uh, thanks to the guys at Third Window Films, we are going to show a film called Grateful Dead, which right. is just, it's amazing. Mm. It's, it's properly bugfuck, and I love bugfuck films. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't go where you think it's going to do. It has all these weird interludes that are laugh out loud funny, but they're really evil and cruel and vicious. Mm. It's a really unusual, beautiful film. And it is it it, it it will mess with with your head a bit. It's just it's just great. I I love it. I'm a huge fan of it. And we're also showing the new Takashi Miike um, Lesson of Evil, oh, which kicks ass. I mean, it is just it it it's just. I mean, I love Miike anyway. Yeah. But it, so if you know Miike, you know exactly what you're in for. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but there will be people in that room who've never seen a Takashi Miike film. <laughs> and this is this is a relatively. I was going to say gentle introduction. It's not. It's kind of a representative introduction. Mm-hmm. And if I had my way, I would take those people that haven't seen any Miki and I would show them that. And then I would show them audition. And then yeah. I would show them itchy. And then I would show them probably dead birds and then, you know, a whole bunch of other <laughs> fabulous stuff that I love. Um, so uh, yeah, we're going to be. That's going to be our our main evening show on the Saturday. Mm-hmm. Is uh, is Lesson of Evil, and it's just it it it's, it kicks ass. Yeah, it really does. Uh, so there's there's other the program is pretty much ninety five percent complete. Mm-hmm. We're just waiting on we're waiting on word on two films, and as soon as we get that, we're going to announce the whole lot. But the shorts, the shorts are amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, our animation program this year is just beautiful. I mean, it always is, but there's um, there's really proper treasure mm-hmm. in there. The classics lineup is fabulous. We're going to have so much fun with the classics this year, um, and the new films that are coming in are just they're just beautiful. Uh, really weird, dark, trippy kind of nightmare stuff that mm-hmm. that you you kind of watch and think, okay, that was that was interesting, and then you cannot cannot get it out of your head. There's one French film in particular we're showing. When I first watched it, I went, well, that was beautiful and interesting and bizarre. Yeah. And then, uh, it made me want to look under the bed, but at the same time, I didn't want to look under the bed. Yeah, yeah. So that's I like a film that does things like that. I like a film that. 
that takes something, you know, that if you drop... It's such a horror film thing. It's like, oh, I've, I've dropped something. I will yeah. reach down and get it. <laughs> 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 Don't do that. Um, but this film, and it, it's not a monster under the bed. It's something mm. slightly more frightening than that. And the film kind of got more unsettling the further away from it I got. Yeah. And I've, I watched it about... Um, four or five months ago and I've, I can't shift it it, yeah. it won't get out of my head and I love that mm-hmm. um, so yeah there's, there's, there's so much treasure in the programme I'm absolutely itching to announce it yeah um, but hopefully hopefully next week we will drop the list yeah um, so uh, although we've kind of touched on this um, already I mean have you have you seen a film before it's come on and you've you've said you know I need to speak to this director I need mm-hmm. to to find out where he was where he was coming from when he made this film uh-huh. or whatnot and I mean met the person and obviously spoke to him and all the rest and is there one particular director who has been part of the Dead by Dawn festival that you would say from watching these films has become a favourite director or you know I think we were talking before about Jim Mickle mm-hmm. and Jim definitely qualifies. Um, there's a, a short filmmaker called Pedro Perez whose work I absolutely adore mm. Rob Morgan's work I absolutely adore uh, Sam Walker as well again another short filmmaker um, people always it's that kind of thing it's hard enough if somebody says to you what's your top 10 favourite horror films oh, yeah. by the time you get to number 10 you've changed your mind <laughs> yeah. and it's absolutely impossible and I, I get like that with, with directors I mean I, I'm I've never made a film. I'm kind of in awe of directors mm-hmm. because I I'm aware of how much it takes to, to to just get something made. But when you actually manage to get something made and it's extraordinary, yeah, it is is fabulous. But um, there are so many directors that we've had kind of come through the festival, and they are they're a pleasure to deal with because mm-hmm. not only have they brought you something absolutely stunning that you you know has made your festival better, yeah. So you know you owe them a debt of thanks for that. But when they're eloquent and interesting about their film as well, mm-hmm. um, it's it's just fantastic to kind of see a little bit of of the kind of mind that decides to make a film in the first place. Yeah, it's hardly a stress free thing to take on, um, and then who's got the patience and and the resilience to kind of see it through and also to maintain the vision that they had. Yes, and not to get lost inside that. I I love having directors here. I I think it's it's great fun. But they're I mean my personal taste. I mean, I'm just a huge John Carpenter fan, so yeah. you know, there's that that uh, that was kind of the first time I think with any director where I actually sought out a director's work, and mm-hmm. that was when I was a teenager, and that and certainly with Craven did that as well. Yeah, um, and it makes you it makes you very aware. I mean, I think there's lots of. Uh, if you're not involved in this, I think if you go and see a movie once a week or twice a week at the cinema, you might not necessarily be paying huge attention to who the director is. Yeah. You're more likely to be interested in who's in the film or what the film is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for us, the director, you, you kind of look... every. The other thing is that we've because we've been doing this for 21 years, you get director's names who come up over and over again. And, and yeah, yeah. you're aware of the fact that this is a person who's who's actually making a film every couple of years. They're mm-hmm. continuing to work. That, that marks them out as interesting already. They're not kind of... They're not kind of uh, put off or, or you know just exhausted by the whole process, mm-hmm. and it's interesting to to look to see the, the sort of exponential growth in, in somebody even if we're not showing their films. Yes, yeah. for me it's interesting. So I'm talking in circles now. It's interesting <laughs> for me to, to watch their development, mm-hmm. even if I'm not showing their films. So I, even some of the names I could give you, I'm aware of what they're making. Yeah. Um. And even though we haven't necessarily put them in front of an audience, 
uh, there's still certain directors that you look out for all the time. There's a Chilean um, director called Jorge Oguan, who I really like. He made a film called Uncle Negro years and years ago. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. And then he came around a couple of years later with a film called Sangre Eterna, uh-huh. which I absolutely adored. If you haven't seen it, uh, and what I was amazed by was the exponential growth in his talent. Yeah. You first film and, and you think, okay, it's perfectly competent, that's okay. And then the next film, it's like, wow, you seriously, this is a guy who's just beginning to burn a little bit brighter, a little bit brighter. Sangre Eterna is great. You've got a bunch of um, a bunch of geeky kids in it who are all role players. They all play vampire games. You know, they've all basically seen Near Dark and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Lost Boys and they all kind of want to be a vampire. And they go to this party in some huge abandoned house out in the country and they're the youngest people there. You know, they're all like 16, 17. Mm-hmm. Everybody else there is at least 25, you know, ancient by comparison. And it's only during the party that they discover that everybody else in the house really is a vampire. So they've basically got... Their whole experience of how to deal with vampires comes out of RPGs, oh, really? and, and, it's, and it's just gorgeous. It's really funny. It's quite it's quite vicious and dark. Uh, the, but the visuals, the pre credit sequence in it, just kicks ass. And it's such a gorgeous film. And Horky's gone on to make a whole bunch of other films like Caliuche and The Descendants and all these. And his work is so interesting. So even though um, I don't think we've had one of his films on screen here since Sangre Eterna, yeah, yeah. but I'm always looking, as soon as I see Horky's name on a film, I want to see it. Yeah. Because I know it's going to be interesting and I know it's, it's never going to waste my time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely, JT Petty's another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, JT's an extraordinary talent. And so there's always, uh, and Soft for Digging is one of, I mean, it's his graduation movie, but it's absolutely... You can't believe it's a graduation. I mean, yeah. Not to insult film students, because <laughs> some of the most amazing films I get to see are actually graduation films. But I just mean that there's something... I mean, I think it had a budget of something like 6,000 US. Mm. I mean, really minuscule budget. Gorgeous, gorgeous mm. film, and properly, properly creepy. It's yeah. got a girl in it. The little girl in it is the spitting image of Linda Blair around the time of The Exorcist. Oh, right. she, <laughs> looks, she looks like her little sister. It's really freaky. Um... But again, I mean, JT's name on anything, mm-hmm. and, and I, I want to see it, and there's lots of directors like that. Yeah. So uh, it's not just about what ends up on the screen. Uh, you know, when I look at my inbox and there's hundreds and hundreds of films waiting to be watched, <laughs> um, there's, there's some names that make you think, oh, I'm going to save this, I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, this, this is going to be my treat to watch. Um, because there's some directors that you know are just going to, they're going to take you to some very odd places because they, yeah. they obviously have really interesting nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> um, the last question I want to ask you, and it's, it's more just for, for my listeners in general who... Um, if, I mean, do you have any advice for anyone that wants to get involved with cinema that wants to maybe even be involved with festival organisation? N- not necessarily horror, but just film um, festival organisation. Um, or anyone that really wants to try and if they've created a film, how they would go about the process of getting it in the festival circuit. Any advice? God, that's a lot of advice. Um, Well, first off, I mean, everybody I know who works in film got into it because they were just devoted to film to Mm -hmm. start with. If you want to be involved in film, you have to go get a job, you know, in a a theatre or cinema, is to go and volunteer at a film festival and yeah. put yourself in it because that's the only way you're actually going to discover if you really want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have encountered occasionally people over the years that just assume that there's a red carpet and then you watch a film and you go to a party and you think, yeah. oh my God, no. <laughs> no, 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 it's actually quite hard work. Um, and, but they tend to find that out quite, pretty quickly and then you never see them again. Uh, so I think you just have to put yourself in that environment and decide if it's for you. And you'll know pretty quickly if, if it is or not. Yeah. 
With regards to filmmakers and their films getting on the circuit, it, it's incredibly competitive and it's very difficult. There are a handful of cardinal sins that a lot of first-time filmmakers commit, which they really should avoid. A Facebook page is not an official film page. Yeah. Uh, really. You need... Even if you get a free one-page website, mm -hmm. you, you need that. And you also need your contact details on it. The number of films that we don't get to see because the person has no contact information. But you can tweet them. It's like, I don't want to have a professional conversation with you. Yeah. That way, I want an email address so I can talk to you and we can have this chat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's how we're going to do it. So you need to have your contact details out there. Mm -hmm. You need to not give your film away for free. Don't put it on YouTube. Don't put it online for nothing. If you want to put the trailer up there and have people pay to see the film, fine. But don't give your film away because the majority of festivals won't take a film once it's been released online. Yeah. So don't give it away for free. I mean, that's a rule that applies to all manner of uh, all manner of uh, professions. <laughs> don't give it away for nothing. Um, and be incredibly patient and you have to you cannot have a hissy fit when you get rejected yeah because you're going to get no matter how talented you are you're going to get rejected a lot mm. I mean we program less than 10% of what we see usually about 5 or 6% of what we see yeah um, and most of the festivals that I deal with are programming less than 10% of what they see it is hugely competitive mm -hmm. and even if you've made the best horror zombie comedy in the whole wide world if it arrives in a year when there are 35, 40 other zombie horror comedies, yeah, yeah. one of them is going to get picked. And being rejected doesn't mean your film is bad. Uh, it can mean that we could only take the top 50 films that we saw and yours was number 51. It yeah. doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Mm -hmm. you, have to, you have to do your research and figure out which festivals might be right for you. If you think there's another film that's kind of like yours, look and see where it played. Yeah. Um, and... Nobody reads the guidelines. You know, it's like that thing when you download new software and you sign the Apple agreement and you say, yes, I agree. Yes. I don't know anybody on earth who's ever read it. We all just <laughs> agree. And Dave Gorman had a lot to say about that in one of his shows recently, which is really funny. Cause, uh, but w nobody reads the guidelines for a festival, but you should. I mean, yeah. my inbox is full of people saying, when's the deadline? I'm like, it's in the guidelines. <laughs> Could you waive the fee for me? We don't charge a fee. It's in the guidelines. Yeah. I'm thinking, you didn't bother reading it. Yeah. But then we think, well, wait a minute. If you don't pay attention to the basics, what does that say about your film? Yeah. And if you're the kind of person that, that doesn't, doesn't read stuff, doesn't think about stuff, doesn't consider it, doesn't want to present yourself properly, it suggests, um, it, it suggests a kind of lack of, of, of attention to detail, which, is, which means that when we go in to watch the film, mm. we're already thinking, I don't, you know, not super confident about this. Yeah. Um, so basics. It's like if, if the festival says... We accept online screeners. When you send an online link, just click it once yourself and make sure it works. And don't forget to send the password. And if you send the password, try and make sure you got it right. Yeah. And don't change the password every two days because it drives programmers nuts. Um, and all these little things, it's like, just, just think for five seconds, how can I make the programmer's job easy? Mm -hmm. Because when the programmer's job is easy, the programmer is a happy programmer in front of your film. Yeah. Um, and I mean, all the films get judged equally and fairly. But uh, there's the guidelines are there, and they're mostly the same for every festival, but there are little things in each set of guidelines, mm -hmm. which it's worth just bearing in mind before you submit. Yeah. Um, and it's worth finding. I mean, our, when we get a film, we send out an email that says, thank you, we have your film. Uh, if you hear by this date, then uh, that's great. I said, but if you don't hear by this date, we haven't taken the film. Right. 
that part, the number of people this year, I get an email every week saying, um, I haven't heard from you. Uh, is my film selected? And you think, oh, no. did you not even read the three line email that I sent? Yeah, yeah. And so you just kind of ignore them and wait for them to figure it out. But it's like, you're just, you're not helping your case mm. by not just being aware of how you present. Because although the film speaks for itself, mm-hmm. one of the things that comes around is that if you're submitting to a festival and you get selected, and if the festival has a teeny little bit of money left over mm-hmm. and they can afford to fly in one more director, yeah, they're not going to fly in the director who's been sending annoying emails every day yeah. for three months because they haven't been paying attention to, to the, the paperwork. They're going to fly in the guy who caused no hassle whatsoever. Of course. Who's going to be the easy guest. Mm. I keep saying guy or girl. Yeah, yeah. Lots of fabulous women directors out there too. Um, so you need, although your film just speaks for itself and, and that's ultimately you're only judged on the film, how you present has to be competent and professional and calm as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also involves not emailing the festival and having a breakdown at them for not choosing your film. Yeah. <laughs> not the most professional response. Um, so really getting on the circuit is hard but once you get your film into one festival a lot of festivals look to other festivals for some of their programming Mm -hmm. I mean we all do it we all look at festivals that we love and we think well you're always showing gorgeous stuff what have you got that I can show Um, so once you're on the circuit it's much easier to stay on it but getting on it is really difficult you have to be tenacious Mm -hmm. and you have to be willing to get ignored or to get rejected and to deal with that just calmly, just accept it as part and parcel. Yeah. Um, there are thousands and thousands of film festivals around the world. Mm. Um, a lot of them will take online submissions, which are free. A lot of them don't charge for submissions. It doesn't have to be the most expensive process. Um, but you, it's worth doing the research because if you are having to pay to submit to festivals, you want to be submitting where you stand a really good chance. Yeah. I mean, if you've made a short film and the festival only shows 12 short films a year, even if you think you've made the best short film in the history of cinema, uh, you might want to look at a short film festival to start with, yeah. you know, that's showing 300 films, you know, in a fortnight and, and increase your odds of getting into, you know, one of the programmes mm-hmm. there. And it's just about being smart about how you, how you put your film out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's not, not giving it away is a big deal. I mean, I understand that when you've made a film, the last thing you want to do is keep it hidden. You want yeah. lots of people to see it. But it depends how you want them to see it. I mean, if you want to just use it as your calling card and put it online and get everyone to come along and see it, that's totally fine. But if you want this to um, to start start creating opportunities for you, mm. you have to be smart about how to, to, to market it and how to generate that demand. Mm. Um, and I, I'm just astonished at the number of films I want to see and I can spend six hours online looking yeah. and looking and I cannot find any of the people involved in the film. Yeah. And there's no website, there's no nothing. It's just like, seriously, why did you make a film to hide it? Yeah. You know, I might want to put this on screen in front of 300 people. Yes. So, I mean, unfortunately, it's the same boring advice you give anybody in any creative environment. Uh, You have to have complete faith in your film. Mm -hmm. Um, If you want to move on to a new film, get stuck into a new project, don't sit around waiting for that one thing to, you know, to to work magic for you. Yeah. Um, But you just kind of have to you have to be prepared for how long it might take I mean we're showing a film this year so this is 2014 we're showing a short film this year which was finished in 2011 All right. uh, it didn't get to a festival until the middle of 2012 then it mm. played a couple in late 2012 played a couple last year 
So I'm I'm perfectly happy to screen it because we we don't we don't restrict films based on when they were made. Yeah. So I, as far as I'm concerned, if it was brilliant in 2011, it's still going to be brilliant. Yeah, now. definitely. Um, so, but I'm sure the filmmaker thought in 2012 that maybe that was you know, the the end of its the end of its film festival life. But if if it plays at a festival in April, mm. a festival that's coming up in October might want to play it, and then yeah. a festival that's coming up the following May might see that one and want to play it. Yeah. Yeah. So you can have six months or a year between the festivals that take it. But that doesn't mean it, it, you know, that its life on the circuit will be short. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we 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 go looking for films um, over quite a, a a long sort of time period, and I mean, there are festivals that say your film has to have been completed in the last twelve months. That and again, that's part of the guidelines that you need to read because mm-hmm. that will restrict the festivals that you can submit to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you got to do just a little bit of research and uh, and don't forget that programmers talk to each other. Yeah. I talk to programmers and festivals all around the world and when I find something I like, I send a little email to people saying, mm-hmm. have you seen this? Yeah, yeah. And suddenly that film will go on from my festival to play another six festivals. Yeah. When you get the hissy fit person that, that sends you an abusive email because you it's rejected them, the same thing happens. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, and the thing is, people will still play the film. Mm-hmm if they like the film but like I said if you want to be the kind of guy that gets invited uh, then you need to present as somebody that the festival's going to you know think adds benefit yeah um, but I mean that's just it's just like I said it's the same as you know don't yell at people don't you know don't yeah. put anything on fire on their doorstep um, <laughs> uh, yeah I, I mean there's films that I've asked for and I've said look can we take a look at your film and occasionally filmmakers come back to me and said only if you promise to select it I'm like well I can't do that yeah yeah like, obviously I can't do that and they've got to the point where they've been rejected by so many festivals that they just can't take that anymore and I totally understand it's <laughs> heartbreaking yeah yeah and very often even if we really like the film if it's not quite right and we don't have a program to put it in um, it's hard to have to reject a film that you know deserves to be on screen mm-hmm. um, and I, I really I mean uh, most programmers do I mean we deeply sympathise with filmmakers um, even, no matter how much we like a film we can't program everything we like yeah um, so it's hard if you're the filmmaker I mean the thing is we've seen 1500 films and we've chosen 100 of them yeah but that filmmaker's made one film yeah. so our world is much bigger yes yeah, yeah. we have Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of talented filmmakers, but when it's your film and your whole world is just that, that. movie, it's it's difficult to kind of get any sort of correlation between how we see. You know, when we look out and we see the sea of films, mm-hmm. when the filmmaker looks at us, you know, they're just like presenting this one look film to yeah. this huge wall of, of of submissions policies, and it's it, it is it's hard. There's but you have to be really tenacious. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is never rush your film. If you don't have the money to finish it the way you want to finish it, save up the money. Yeah. Don't finish it with, you know, from the penny jar. Yeah, don't yeah, do yeah. it because ultimately, uh, even if you can't submit it to us this year and you wanted to, I'd rather you took another three or four months to finish it or six months to finish it and submitted it next year. Yes. Uh, because ultimately, you're re- you have to think of it, if you won the Oscar... Mm-hmm. And they did a little... Por- if you won you know, the Lifetime Achievement Award and they did a little showreel on screen showing your whole career, do you want your film in that showreel? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's not a problem. There's something beeping. Thank you. Um, sorry about that. Um, That's not a problem. But is it... I mean, you know, you're obviously... It's unlikely to be in that situation, but you have to think about it. You think, if someone looks back at my career... 
Um, like I'm sure it amuses Tim Burton knowing that right at the beginning there's Beaver gets a boner and yeah. you know, I'm sure and that's fine I mean Beaver's a great film but um, it's like if, if you're going to finish off your film quickly because you, you can't stand to wait anymore and, and it's starting to really drag and you've been doing this for too long mm-hmm. you just got to take a deep breath and, and invest as much in your film as you possibly can because it, it is going to be the thing that represents you yeah. um, and because the submissions is so competitive you have to have taken the maximum amount of care with your film. Mm-hmm. And it seems like stating the bleeding obvious. Yeah. But when you've been in production, I mean, with, with independent features sometimes, you're looking at six years, you know, before you, you can call it completed. Yeah. And I understand how hard it is to maintain, you know, that level of commitment and devotion over yeah. that length of time. But it, it pays off. You, ultimately, you kind of just have to want it badly enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know plenty of filmmakers who do six months work on the film, then they go back to a job they hate for six months and they save some more money. Then they do six months work on the film, yeah. and it can take years and years and years. But at the end, you get something crafted, um, attentive, mm-hmm. beautiful, and you're much more likely to get where you where you want to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we 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 see as much as we can, and we really we try and be as supportive as possible. But the bottom line is, every festival is going to reject a lot of films that they yeah. like, and we're sorry when we reject a good film. And like I said, it's not because it's bad. It's mm-hmm. just because we can't show everything we like. Uh, and you kind of got to suck that up. And, yeah. And then go and submit it somewhere else, mm-hmm. and somewhere mm-hmm. else, and somewhere else, and eventually it'll pay off. Yeah. And then once it's paid off, it'll keep paying off. I, I, I don't know if that counts as advice. I, <laughs> I, uh, it, it, it's so difficult to ask people to, to kind of maintain that energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are stories that we see all the time. I mean, when you get a bio in with a film and you look at how that film has come about, yeah. and it just makes you feel even worse if you have to yeah. turn it down. It's just awful. Um, but at the same time, we, we have huge admiration for, for people who are finding ways to get those films made, to find mm-hmm. ways to raise the funding, and, you know, to, find, um, to find the time and the energy. And, yeah. Uh, you know, there's, um, we showed a film last year called Fist of Jesus, which is a short film. All right. <laughs> you got to see it. It absolutely rocks. <laughs> but they're, they've just started their Kickstarter campaign um, for the feature, which is going to be called Once Upon a Time in Jerusalem. I have um, seen the Kickstarter trailer for that. Right. Okay. Yeah, I saw that yesterday, actually. Yeah, no, they launched it yesterday. Yeah. Oh, looks incredible. Yes. Looks batshit crazy, but incredible. The short is laugh-out-loud funny. Um, and I'm super excited about that. Yeah. But, and th- those guys are probably not going to have a hard time raising the money or getting the film into festivals because obviously the short played so yeah, well. Yeah. Um, so when, you know, once you're on the circuit and once you're visible, it, those things become exponentially easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, getting, getting in there in the first place is... is uh, and I would say when, when you get a script editor, don't just ask your mum. <laughs> Find someone who doesn't like you to give you an honest opinion. Um, there's there's th- you, there's things you need to do. You need to, you, you, there needs to be objectivity about your film and that yeah. involves getting as much advice and listening as much as possible but trying to kind of see to see your film with fresh eyes is quite hard but you need to take um, it's easy to get lost inside a production and kind of lose sight of it a little bit yeah. um, but that comes down to just sort of taking your time and breathing with it and actually engaging with people that genuinely can, can see it and, and listening to constructive criticism because there will be something about your film that you're devoted to mm-hmm. and it might not be right for that film it might yeah. be a thing that you really want to do but it it's about being, it's about, I think a good editor is, is, is you know, of paramount importance, but it's about making sure that, that every element of your film is, is the best you can do at the time. And, yeah. and that comes down to budget, obviously, and how much time you can commit. 
Um, but if it's if it's regardless of how it is, it's worth moving on to the next production, mm-hmm. um, so that you're constantly learning and you're constantly improving and constantly adapting. Because even I mean, there's filmmakers who've made like seventeen, eighteen short films, and then you know we'll select the most recent film, mm-hmm. and they'll say, oh, but there's plenty more where that came from, and you go, actually no, because you've now reached a point where this is the level we want to show. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm I'm impressed that anybody sticks with it for that long. Yeah. Um, but you can't use the amount of festival acceptance you get as a barometer to judge how good your film is. That yeah. that faith in 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 your film has to come from you as the yes. filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and ultimately, if if lots of festivals reject it, you should just assume that the festivals are wrong. I think, mm-hmm. and just have complete faith in your talent. Mm-hmm. Um, because that faith will eventually show up on screen. When we watch a film, we can tell whether it was driven by your need to tell the story yeah. or whether it was driven by your budget constraints mm-hmm. because it gets tighter and it starts to get... You, you can tell that something was rushed or you can tell that they they did something the cheaper way because because that's all the money they had. Yes. And you think, actually, a little bit of time, a little bit of breathing room and a little bit you know a little bit more fundraising mm-hmm. um, would, have, would have made that work better. Um, so... Whatever attitude it is you you maintain throughout the production, we end up being able to see that on screen. So you have to you have to kind of. I'm basically waffling now. Yeah, you you basically have to. You have to imagine yourself sitting in in the cinema and somebody putting this film on for you. And mm-hmm. what would you honestly think of it? Yeah. You know what would you think? Would you think oh they they killed that guy off screen because because that's a really subtle way of doing it, or did they kill that guy off screen because they didn't have the money? Yeah. Oh, and get the blood the right colour. Dear God Almighty. <laughs> blood is... It shouldn't be pink. It shouldn't be orange. It shouldn't be too watery. Get the blood the right colour and texture and you are halfway there. Uh, it's really worrying when the blood's not the right colour. <laughs> I was talking to film... The people who made the fabulous trailer for us last year, I was talking to them about this and we were... Our prime concern with it was if there's going to be blood... And I'm not saying there has to be blood in a horror film. Yeah, yeah. Obviously there doesn't. Just saying, if there is, it should be the right colour and the right texture. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, it's annoying. <laughs> God. Right, I think I stopped making sense 20 minutes ago. Thank you very much for your time, though. Um, where can people find your organisation online? We are at deadbydawn.co.uk. Tickets are on sale for this year's festival. You can do it two ways. You can buy an all-inclusive pass, which gets you into absolutely everything, obviously. Um, or you can buy individual tickets for films mm-hmm. if there's just a couple of things you want to dip in and out of or you can come along to Spawn on the Saturday night and get some cold beers in and spend 10 hours in the dark letting me freak you out <laughs> uh, which is really really good fun it's always such a it's always such a buzzing night it's great um, so yeah there's there's all kinds of ways of doing it everything is on sale through Filmhouse mm-hmm. um, and uh, festival is the 24th to the 27th of April so we kick off on Thursday night and we finish in the early hours of Monday morning and then you've got to go back to work and try not to drool in yourself. Yeah. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time, Adele. You're welcome. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And welcome back. And I hope you enjoyed that interview that I conducted with Adele Hartley of Dead by Dawn Film Festival. So, like Adele was saying, the festival runs from the 24th of April to the 27th. Uh, It takes place at the Film House in Edinburgh. So, if you get a chance, you should jump along and check them out. You don't have to attend the whole festival, but, you know, 
why wouldn't you? Uh, you can buy individual tickets for individual films, and there is a shit ton um, at this year's this year's event. So it's the twenty first edition, and they're kicking off well a bit of class and a bit of style because the festival lands on the anniversary of the day that William Castle was born, and as a result of that, Dead by Dawn will be um, playing two very special Castle films: The House on Haunted Hill and Mister Sardonicus. Um, what they'll also be doing is a very cool Skype introduction from his daughter Terry, uh, who lives in Southern California, so she will be introducing those two films, which is really fucking cool. And there's a lot of new films making their way, the UK premiere of Anton Barod's Les Grufes, uh, which is The Sinkholes, the UK premiere of Stuart Simpson's Chocolate Strawberry Vanilla, the UK premiere of Daniel Stamm's Thirteen Sins, the Scottish premiere of Gerard Johnson's Housebound, the UK premiere of Oculus, which is that film that everyone's been raving about at the moment. Um, there is the UK premiere of Takashi Miki's Lesson of Evil, which just honestly gives me a chubby. <laughs> I love that guy's work. The Scottish premiere of, and I'm going to butcher this guy's name, E.G. Uchida's um, Grateful Dead. There is a really good documentary which was brought by the guys that did Cropsy a few years ago and it's called Killer Legends. I've been hearing a lot of good things about that from certain American festivals. There is also a chance to check out some of the classic films that they they do at, at the show. So Sean Cunningham's Friday the 13th. Bernard Rose's Candyman and Joe Dante's Double Bill of the Twilight Zone, the movie, and The Howling. So there is, like I say, tons of main features. There is always a ton of um, short films as well. And like I said before, you get a chance as well. If you really want, you can go and check out Spawn of Dawn, which is pretty fucking cool. It runs from midnight on Saturday the 26th, features five um, feature length films and 10 shorts selected from the main festival programming. Uh, tickets for the full event are £75. You can buy them from the film house box office in person or you can you know, call in 0131-228-2688 or go online to filmhousecinema.com uh, or if you want to go to Sponadon it's £25 for like I say, 5 shorts and uh, five, 5 main, sorry, and uh, 10 short films uh, and that's the same place to get in there so their website is deadbydawn.co.uk I suggest everyone check it out and check them out on Facebook um, as usual you should be checking out all the podcasts that are on the League of Extraordinary podcast Devour the podcast Gillen Roscoe's Bodacious Horror podcast the Horror Bull podcast the Chicks over at Creepy Kitch you want to check out Grave Shift Radio as well and of course my brothers over at the Midnight Horror Show if that wasn't enough you can check out the podcast over at Horrorphilia Podcasting Network. So there's my bloody podcast, The Skeleton Crew. You can also check out Banana Laser, The Terror Dome as well. And don't forget Jamie Jenkins' Liking It and Evil Episodes. So plenty of podcasts out there for you guys to listen to. Just to uh, kind of tell you where we're going next, next week we have Baz v Horror episode number 7, where the Baz takes on film footage. That's right, we put it out to the public vote and you guys came back and resoundingly told us that Baz needs to watch 
cannibal holocaust. So I'm looking forward to that discussion. I get a feeling it's probably going to be quite messy, but you can never tell. The current score is four to Baz and two to Horror, so we need to get Horror some points back in there and get this, you know, this competition really kicking into gear. So with all that in mind, I think this is about the perfect time to close up the show. This has been the bonus episode for the podcast Under the Stairs, and I would like to once again thank my uh, special guest who has been interviewed, Adele Hartley at Dead by Dawn Horror Film Festival. Seriously guys, you need to go and check out uh, the awesome work that she's been doing, as well as her website and her Facebook page. Uh, Until I speak to you next week, I hope you all take care of yourself. Uh, Remember, join the Facebook page if you haven't already. I know that um, we're getting quite a lot of downloads in some places of the world where I'm pretty sure there's no Facebook people on my page. Uh, I'm looking at you, two people that are in Japan that download my show. Uh, Come across to the Facebook page. All you have to do is type in the search bar, podcast under the stairs, come across and get involved with the conversation. So I'm going to leave just now and once again, thank you all for checking out the podcast. Hope you take care of yourselves until the next time I speak to you from under the stairs. Bye, everyone.